All right. Welcome to the Charles Palminteri Podcast. It is Monday at 11 o'clock. You know what that means? New episode. We got a great show coming up. But before we do that, uh, Wednesday, March 1st. Wednesday, March 1st. Little Rock, Arkansas. That's right. The Little Rock, Arkansas. I'll be doing my one-man show. The University of Arkansas Pulaski Center. Wow. Me and Sandy Blue Eyes down in Little Rock, Arkansas. It's going to be like... My cousin Vinny, no shit. Okay, also Friday, March 3rd, we're going to be in San Antonio, Texas at the Umpire Theater, San Antonio, Texas. Come and see us. Watch me do the one-man show, A Bronx Tale, the original one-man show that started at all. Saddest thing in life is wasted talent. You can buy these on my website. Saddest thing in life is wasted talent. The original... Poster. Also, also, what do we got here? A Bronx tail in the front for you. Guys want to buy their girls. No, now you can't leave. What do we got here over here? Hold it. And we got one here. A Bronx tail in the front and one of the great ones. That's a great gift. That's a, is this, uh, I mean, that's a great gift, right? Well, Valentine's Day is coming up. Valentine's Day, that's right. Good one, John. Bronx Tale and the classic T-shirt, Wasted Talent. Uh, our guest today, he's got a podcast. He's a stand-up comic. He's a commentator. He's uh, He was a power lifter. He did everything. But he's a great stand-up comic. He's a lot of fun. He's a director. He directed... Uh, uh, me in, uh, what was the name of that? Mafia States of America. Mafia States of America. Great guy, a real, a real uh, classic individual. Gerard Michaels. My man. How are you, brother? I'm doing great, Chaz. Chaz, this is like a dream come true. Are oh, you kidding come me, on, dude? Come no. On, come this on. is nuts, man. This is nuts. We're yeah, having a dude, great time. Dude, my father, the very first, you know, not, not to age us here, but this is right. back on VHS, the very first movie my father ever woke me up to see. It's a Bronx Tale. And the wow. scene, the scene. let me see if you can guess, the scene he wanted me to see. What do you think the scene was? The scene he wanted you to see, I could, I know the one. It had to be when De Niro slaps the little boy and he says, the working man is a tough That's guy. That's it. Of course. That's it. Yeah. 100%. Because my, you know, I grew up Gravesend, Brooklyn, until I was seven. You grew up in Gravesend? Yeah, yeah, and you're in a show called I'm Gravesend. I'm in a show called yeah. Gravesend, Willem the Mayo. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. Uh, moved, yeah. moved out to Jersey like everybody else. You know, Brooklyn's yeah. nothing but, uh, you know, uh, Iowa baristas now, you know. Yeah, so it's, yeah. uh, but okay. uh, the rest of us are out in Jersey and Fort Lauderdale where I live and and uh yeah man, that was that was the most iconic thing, you know, getting woken up by by your dad and being like, Hey, you gotta see this, come here and see this. It was see this. See, and all these years later I remember it, man. And all, and out of all the iconic things, that's your movie. Think about every other role that you've been in, the iconic the roles that you've had, and everybody goes back to everybody your film. Everybody goes back to that. I mean, I did almost 70 movies, 30 television shows in the past 40 years, and people still come over to me and go, why are these people on the phone? And go, Bronx Tale. Bronx Tale. They still, see, and they just pick it up and hang it up. That's all. You know, they still, they still do that. Yeah. Bronx Tale, Bronx Tale, Bronx Tale. It's like, and it's not like you did seventy indie films. So you got Usual Suspects, oh, man. No, you I got, a lot I mean, of, I've been some classic movies, yeah, dude. But they still, you know, analyze this Usual Suspects, Hurley Burley, uh, Bullets Over Broadway. I mean, come on. 
but still they love, love that movie. Yeah. I walk down the street, people go, hey, Chaz, now you can't leave. You know, <laughs> throw him in the bathroom. Yep. You know, it's like my movie became part of uh, the dialogue of America, you know? 100%. I mean, you, you um, look, you, 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 <laughs> It's like J.D. Salinger, man. It's like well, you know, a catcher well, in a ride. No, yeah. I, I'm not look, yeah. I, I'm not stroking you here. This is just yeah. the truth, man. Well, like, yeah, yeah, no, very like, few pieces of art can encapsulate a yeah. moment in time. I mean, yeah. like, Leave the gun, take the that's cannolis. it. That's it. You know what? It's, yeah. That's it. It's yeah. that it forever. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. shoot. And you, I mean, right. well, did you know now with Unusual Suspects, did you know the ending to the movie? Did you? Was it in the script? Did oh, they let the you script. know? Yeah, yeah. But, and, but I couldn't. I didn't understand it. I really? Nobody could. You didn't get what was happening. Uh, you know what we kept saying? But is he? Yeah, he is. He is Kaiser. Through the whole movie, Gabriel Byrne swore that he was Kaiser Sose. Really? Till this day, he's still. Th- maybe, maybe they wrote it that way, and then they. We go, you know. Gabriel. <laughs> you weren't Kaiser Sose. Listen to me. Yeah. It was Kevin Spacey. You know, it was a great film. I mean, we didn't know it was going to be that great. We knew it was. A, very unusual script. I mean, won the Academy Award. Yeah. You know, so we were very excited by that. But great script, but boy, we could not. It, it was hard to un- understand it. I mean, really, it was really. Uh, it's one of the best movies ever made. It's one of the best movies, yeah. It's, it's a great film, and I'm very I'm very happy for it. And it was right. nice for you to get a turn on the other side of the law for once, huh? Yes. Yeah, I was a good guy. <laughs> I'm always usually a bad guy. I'm always. So now tell me, what. Uh, you have a podcast. Sure. Slick and Thick with Mickey Slick Gall. You have Mickey on. Gall, the UFC fighter Mickey I had G. on. Yeah. So Slick and Thick. Well, he's obviously slick. Come on. And you're thick. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, so you have your own podcast. Hey, and We're um, just two guys from Jersey having a good time. Two man. guys. From, where do you guys film it? In, in, in Florida? Well, we go back and forth between uh, the Gas Digital Studios up in New York and down, you know, where we live in Florida. So, you where know, you Mickey trains down there. And, uh, you know, I travel around the country doing comedy. Mickey trains in Florida. So you Now, know. where did you grow up? I grew up in Old Bridge, New Jersey. Right. So I lived in Brooklyn. Then we moved out when I was young. And, and uh, I grew up in Old Bridge, New Jersey. You know, uh, Central Jersey, middle class upbringing. You know, like everybody else, man. And um, I loved it. I loved it growing up. And But moving to Florida was the best thing I ever did. I feel like I took my life from, like, extra hard to easy. You know, I don't I don't, I don't, don't pay uh, taxes or tolls anymore. I don't right, pay right, to get right. on the beach. It's nice. It's, you know, it's... Uh, so you're a Florida resident. Yeah, I got soft real quick, man. I, I can't handle the cold anymore. You can't handle the cold. Yeah. You don't like paying those taxes. Yeah, I played pickleball. That's you know, I, I gave up. Uh, I gave up MMA and powerlifting for pickleball. Yeah. So you did MMA and powerlifting, huh? Yeah. So I, I played uh, minor league baseball. You know, right. I, was, I was a baseball player, and then you know, when you get done, um, it's yeah. it's you just kind of don't know what to do with your life, and right. you're working like a nine to five, and you know, you don't really fit in. And now, do you do stand up all over the country? I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I work with the uh, with the funny bones and the comedy zones mostly. I yeah. talked with a, uh, a phenomenal woman named Carol Ann Miljavic. She's yeah, really, she's I heard terrific. Her. Yeah, she's. How long have you been doing stand up now? Uh, this is my tenth year. Tenth year. They tenth say, year. people say it takes ten years before you're really. Well, then I, I better hurry up because I'm not funny yet. So yeah, <laughs> no, no, uh, no. They say it takes a long time before you really like come into your own. I, don't I know. think you know. Um, I think it takes a while to find you know, what the funny is. And yeah. then once you find what the funny is, then you have to put it in your own voice. In your own voice. You got to have your own voice. Yeah. And then, you know, what happens, Chaz, I think is like, you know how to make people laugh. You know that there's certain tricks you can do. Yeah. There's ways you can train the audience to laugh. 
but then you want to have actually something to say and you want to kind of like yeah. speak truth to power. And that's a very, very difficult thing in like this environment. So you got to, especially this environment, it's tough, but you, you know, you look at a guy like Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr and you want to be one of the legends. The true top of the art is being able to say things people don't want to hear in a way that they can't stop listening. You know what I mean? That so, they, and then they can't cancel you out for it. Well, they could try, but if you don't have any genuine hate in your heart, like this comedy is what I love about comedy. What I love about laughter is it's involuntary. Right. If somebody says something funny, you what you'll see is like people will laugh and then they'll look around and be like, oh, I right, shouldn't have laughed right. at that. Well, why not? It made you laugh. How is laughter a bad thing? Right. You know, so, you know, those people that want to control the culture and all that stuff, you just, you have to try to pay them no mind. And, you you know, again, if, if you're if you're doing something to be legitimately hateful, you know, that yeah. you can't fake that. that yeah, you know, I mean... I don't know Dave Chappelle, but I really love his comedy. I love Bill Burr. Bill Burr to me, Bill Burr is my favorite. Comic. Oh, he's amazing, I lo- and I love Dave Chappelle. Don't yep. get me wrong, but I just uh, those are the two top. I I would think right now. Sure, they remind me of. Uh, it's like you know uh, you know when the Picassos came and the Andy Warhols came, they they kind of took it a different level, like and they got it, and they, they just brought the art to a different art form. Chappelle did, and so did Bill Burr, I think. You know, just like Richard Pryor did. Oh, See, a lot of people, I made my son listen to Richard Pryor. Uh, I said, listen to this guy, this guy. And my, fa- and my son loved him. He thought it was very funny. But, he, but I said, you have to understand, no one did it. Yeah. So you've heard Chappelle. Yeah. Yeah. You've heard Chris Rock. Yep. You, you've seen all these other guys. Yep. So to you, when he did it, when Richard Pryor did it, People were just telling jokes. Sure. You know, uh, t- uh, two guys walked into a bar. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. nobody had humor through pain yep. and told stories like he did. Well, guys were getting arrested. Red Fox was getting arrested. Um, yeah. What's his name? Um, Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce getting arrested Lenny for, Bruce, you know, for keeping it real. You for know? keeping it real. That's... Yeah, I, I mean, imagine, again, like people talk about cancel culture and it's annoying, but like right. nobody's getting arrested. Like Lenny Bruce was getting arrested for uh, cursing. For Lenny, cursing. Like there was, there was legitimate, I mean, he, he, he literally suffered for his art. You know, I, I don't, I look at cancel culture as like, what are you going to do? You're going to take away my Twitter? Like whatever, right. yeah, like yeah, fine, yeah. take away my Twitter. It's fine. But like there's guys that legitimately suffered to be heard. And that's, you know, be a man. Say what you got to say. Like, what, somebody's going to get mad about what you said? Yeah. Make it funny. But the greatest comedian to me was a guy named Patrice O'Neill. He was my oh, favorite comedian of all time. Him. Loved him. Ah, and he he had a great saying. He's like, you can joke about any. He went on, on the news and had a fight with this lady. I believe it was on Fox. And she's like, you can't joke about that. He's like, you could joke about anything. Make it funny. Right. Make it funny. If it's not funny, you failed. But right. Also, part of this art is you got to be allowed to fail. You got to be allowed to say something right. and go for it and also have the, the audience be like, mm, that wasn't it, man. That you know, wasn't you, it. You got yeah, it. Yeah, you know? no, I, I agree with you. Well, uh, Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld used to say, the more offensive it is, the funnier it better be. That's right. The it's funnier a scale, it right? Be. It's a but scale. But also at the same time, like, you know. Know what yeah. you're signing up for. You're not signing. If you want to go to the Poconos and hear Borscht Belt humor, then you're good, then go. But also, right. I don't understand the people that go to a midnight show at, you know, at the comedy show. Yeah, and they're like, oh, yeah. how dare they? <laughs> like, what were you doing, man? But you know? I, I love that. I love when comics step out there, you know, and uh, I think it's great. 
you know, Chaz, you spent your life as an artist. Is, li- is art supposed to be safe? No, art can't be safe. I mean, me as an artist and as a writer, I write, you know, what's in my heart. I mean, and that's it. I, I, I'm, I don't mean to hurt anyone, but I write what's in my heart. That, you know? You know? Uh, I remember when I did a, a, the TV show, uh, uh, Godfather of Harlem, you know, and Chris, uh, uh, I forgot Chris's last name, it just escapes me, Chris Mercado, who's the real genius behind the writing of it, and, and him and Paul, uh, they wrote, you know, Godfather Harlem, and here it is, 1960, I'm doing a scene with Forrest Whitaker, mm-hmm. and I say to the, I, I'm yelling, I'm talking to him about, his people killed my son. And in the script, it said, you know, in the script, it said, for N-words, the N-word, okay? So I said it. And then they, they called me over. They said, you know, we decided we can't use the N-word. And I said, uh, I don't understand. It's in, the, it's in the script. It's right. They said, you have to say four Negroes. And I said to them, I said, listen to me. I said, I'm a wise guy. I'm Joe Bonanno. They killed my son. Do you think Joe Bonanno is going to say the words, four Negroes killed my son? Yeah, Joe Bonanno, very PC. I said, are, are you kidding me? Yeah. And so they said, well, you can't say it. And I said, well, I'm saying it. I said, because it has to be real. And, and look, everybody knows me. Everybody, look, I wrote Bronx Tale. I, I had uh, romances, many romances mm-hmm. with black women. Uh, I'm very much into civil rights. I've done a lot as much as I can for that. I always try to put uh, an African-American in one of my movies, always. I wish I'd do the best I can for that. But I have to say what's real. It's wrong. Yeah. And, and, Forrest, and Forrest agreed with me. And then finally, uh, Chris, who's the, uh, the creator, said, Chaz, say it. You have to say it. He goes, I'll deal with them. You just say it. Sure. And I said it, and he called me. And he said, look, we left it in because it was right. Because it's right. And also... I think people always get right. confused with this. It wasn't Chaz Palminteri saying it. It was Joe Bonanno saying it. It's like your Brian Cranston doesn't really sell meth. No. You're like, you know, it's the character. You know, this is this is kind of like we've gotten into this odd place where yeah. actors can't act anymore. Like like stories can't be told. Everything is through this lens of realism and it's like, man, it's like It's I acting. Yeah. It's called acting. That's man. the idea. So how do you know when something's funny? I mean, you you have to work on it like you do you have a place where you just try your humor out, see if it's funny? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so my humor starts with like absurdity and anger almost. Like I look right. at the news and I'm like, I look at what makes me angry and I don't want to be angry anymore. So what makes you angry? Like, <laughs> no, like, I'm curious. Like, no, nah, man, like so there's there's just things that you can't change. Like right. with the lockdowns and everything that happened. Right. Like I, I have a tattoo, non-essential. Like how the hell are you going to tell me I'm non-essential? You know, like that's right. that's a pretty remarkable thing for you to tell me that I can't tell jokes in front of a room full of a hundred people, but we're going to keep the strip clubs open. <laughs> like, right. how am I non-essential? So I I have to process those emotions, and I can either process them into anger and violence, or I can process them into satire and sarcasm. And right. that's kind of that's kind of your humor. That's it, right? And so, like, I try to you know, I try to showcase the absurdity of the moment. 
as much as I can. And give me some examples. <laughs> like when you're on stage, what, what do you... What, uh, what COVID. Do you... I do a lot of COVID jokes about okay. how COVID floats. Like, you know, I trust the science. You know, here I am being told to trust the science, but I also grew up on the food pyramid, you know? So, like, yeah. how am I going to trust the science when they, you know, the science told me to eat three times as many carbohydrates as proteins growing up, That's you know? Right. So, That's right. you know, I mean, the science told me that cookie crisp was part of a nutritious breakfast. It's cookies and, and whole milk. It's diabetes soup to start your day. I don't... It's, it's the worst thing you can it's have. The worst thing on earth you know right. so that's no, true you know I, I i've been i grew up very skeptical of the science so you know now this idea that you gotta shut up and listen also i i don't understand where where everybody became such like a a do-gooder all of a sudden like right, you know right. it's like you know i gotta listen to some 23 year old lecture me on the world you know and i just i sit here and i'm like kid you're really if you're this upset at the world in college if you're this upset right. I, I i'm brokenhearted for you because it don't get better. <laughs> so, it doesn't get better. No. So, no. you know, if you're, you know, wait till, uh, you know, wait till your thirties kick in and you can't bend over to tie your shoes without pulling, you know, throwing your back out. If you think yeah. the world's tough now, it, no, it's, I you remember know. Bill Gates even said it. A lot of the kids today, when growing up, is because you know everybody got a trophy. Everybody mm -hmm. gets a trophy now. Yep. If you come in last place, you come in first place. If you come in last place, you come in first. But you get a trophy. Yeah. So then, when they lose, they can't handle it. It's, it's the audacity, too. It's like I grew up in an environment where, you know, kids were there to be seen and not heard. Now kids, they, they're the loudest voices in the room. And I just, I find it hilarious. I, you know, my, my grandfather, God bless us all, I just imagine him growing, like, being alive in, oh this, my God. in this world. And I'm not saying his worldview was right. Yeah. I just think it would be hilarious, you, uh, know, yeah. for the, you know, for somebody to come up and, and, and tell him that, uh, you know... Uh, He's got, you know, he can't, he can't shower because we're in a drought or something like that. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I, I, uh, I, yeah. Did, I did three years in Korea. I'm going to shower wherever the hell I want. I right? went to a, I went to a, a, um, a birthday party in Beverly Hills. Very wealthy people. Very, very wealthy. Like multi, like a billionaire almost. And he said it was his daughter's birthday. Mm -hmm. His daughter was 14, yeah. 14 years old. The birthday must have party. Birthday party must have cost them close to a million dollars. Seriously, it was insane. No, a tent. There were there were acts there. there were, I don't want to say who was there because they'll know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But she's 14, so she goes. She, my daughter, has a poem, and I want everyone to hear the poem. She would like to read it about this this event. She's 14 years old. Now, first of all, to do that, <laughs> to put everybody. There was like 300 people there, Gerard. Now you got to make all these adults sit there and listen to this 14-year-old girl say a poem. It better be a good poem. It better be a good poem. <laughs> and it better be short. <laughs> it better be fucking short. Okay? So she comes out there and she starts with the poem. And she's reading it and it's it's cute, maybe. To be or not to no, be. No, it's, it's cute. Yeah. It's cute. My mom and dad, they grew up here. Now, first of all, sweetie, you're a multi, your father and mother, billionaires. You grew up in Beverly Hills. You have no idea what the real world is. That's where all the like. best artists come from. Yeah. <laughs> so she reads the poem. Listen to this. She gets to the end and she says it. And she goes, and everybody, she goes, and, and everybody claps. She goes, wait, wait, wait. I really, Dad. She turns to her mother, father. I am not lying. She turns to her mother and father and goes, Dad, Dad, I, I really could do it better. 
And he goes, all right, honey, no, that was not. No, no, please, Dad, I have to do it better. Honey, Dad, I want to do it better. He goes, okay. She repeats the whole poem again. Everybody back to one. Places back to one, please. <laughs> she repeats the whole poem. And oh, we have shit. to sit there again like this. Now, if that's my daughter, I'm, I'm covering the mic and I'm walking over to her saying, get in the back. <laughs> you, know, you don't do that to 300. And these are 300 producers, dude, directors. Dude. I mean... It, it goes to show you like how much people need money to do a movie, though, right? They're like, oh, okay, I'll listen to it again. Listen, <laughs> she had to do it again. Did you give her an applause the second time? No. Nah. No, we just went uh, again, dude. and she went, thank you, and walked off. This and everybody is, was looking at each other like, do you fucking believe what just happened? I, I don't have it. This is why. He's, I gotta hang out. He's, I'm learning so really? much class just from being around Chess. I would have started playing the Oscars music about a second or two into it. Start, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap up the iambic pentameter over here. I couldn't fucking believe it. The audacity. The audacity. The audacity. To actually be, you make your 14-year-old daughter put you down and say, do you imagine old school guys? Yeah. Imagine my daughter trying to do that to my father. Aye. Or me trying to do that to my father at 14 years old. Do you realize what I would have got in front of those people? Listen, Are you kidding me? There was a... Um... <laughs> I forget where it was. We we were sitting there. My father's my father's father died when my dad was twelve, and they grew up. My dad was one of eight, right. and they grew up, you know, um, impoverished in, in New York. Right. And, and my dad's been working since he was twelve years old. And uh, we were sitting somewhere, and there was this this uh, protest. And now, I, good for you. Try right. to make the world a better place. I'm all for it. Right. But there's this girl, and she's at an Ivy League school. She goes to Princeton, and she starts screaming at my dad about his privilege because he's going to eat meat going into a place. And that's just, it's hilarious to wow. me. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, this woman just has no concept. And again, it's the audacity. She sees a guy, you know, he's, and she all she sees is a, you know, a 60-year-old white dude. And she's like, oh, you're privileged. And I'm like, this dude has been working in privileged. a butcher shop since he was 12 years old. Right. You know, and here you are. You're 22. You 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 know nothing about the world outside of outside right. of classroom, and to me it, it's like people have taken activism as a personality. And right. again, this is a lot of the stuff that I talk about in, in my in my bit. And it's like yeah. you're doing worse for your cause than, than you know because right. all I am I may agree with your cause, but I hate you. <laughs> so right. I, I, you know, like I don't you know I I, I love the environment, but it, every time I take a sip out of a paper straw, I'm like. And fuck the turtles. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like... That's it. I don't... Yeah, I, I'd kill every turtle on earth that never a trick out of a paper straw ever again. Like, and I, you, know, you guys are doing more harm than good here. Well, you know, it's like... It's the same old thing. You know, they'll, they'll preserve the reindeer, but we can't... Look, I, I, I'm a, I like to preserve wilderness. I mean, yeah. I think that's really big. But you can't do it at the expense of human life. You oh. just can't. You yeah, can't. and then they come you after know, hunters, and nobody know, does more to preserve wildlife that I know than my friends that hunt. They go out right. of their way. They 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 have like, you know, almost like a religious connection right. to, to the to the to woods the, and the, the forest. Yeah. You know, and but you can't. But it, it's still come on, guys. It's a human. If if we have to save human lives, then then somebody's got to go. Yeah. Plus, I hate how we don't admit like guys, we're doing pretty good like as a species. We're doing good, guys. Yeah. Like, we're doing A-OK. -okay. Like, things are OK, you know? Like, I think for the first time in 50 years, last year, the average lifespan went down for the first time. And that's coming out of a pandemic. Like, yeah. we're doing good, man. Yeah. Like, oh, like right. I think one of the things that bothers me is nobody admits or will accept 
like how well we as a species acted during the pandemic. Like you told right. everybody to lock themselves down, shut everything down because it was going to impact strangers' lives. And everybody did everybody it. Everybody did it, yes. And that that's a beautiful thing. We Everybody deserves a pat on the back and a hug for the way that we handled this thing. Right. We're fighting with each other over the smallest things. And again, like I believe humor is one of those things where we can kind of like, yeah. all right, you said some dumb things, I right. said some well, dumb things. What do you things. think about this COVID thing? I mean, they're saying... That you take the shot, you don't get nothing. I mean, well, uh, Biden had three, three shots, four yeah. shots, and he caught it. You don't, you don't, you don't want my opinion. I'll get you canceled, brother. No, no. I mean, no, but, but here's what I don't like. I don't like that you tell us we have to take it, but then you let two and a half million, you know, illegal immigrants in the country, it's and crazy. they don't have to take it's it. Insanity. That's not right, dude. They, they, and I'm not political. Explain I never to me politics. how COVID floats. So I gotta. I mean, you own two restaurants. Yeah. I got to wear my mask walking into the restaurant. Right. But as soon as I sit down, I can take the mask off and we're fine because COVID's just hanging out above us. Like, get right. out of here, COVID. Yeah. Like, come on. I'm supposed to trust the science, but you didn't tell me that COVID floats? We could have just been crawling around everywhere at a Walmart, like having a good time. We wouldn't have to shut down nothing. It's insanity. That doesn't make sense. It's nuts. It's crazy. Like, dude, I was living in Brooklyn. Everything was shut down. You were on sets. I was doing commercials. You right. had to have, you, everybody had to be six feet apart. I mean, how are you going to have somebody pull focus when they're six feet apart from the camera? Like, all right, right we gotta, yeah, we're trying yeah. to figure this thing out. But then they're having marches, 200,000 deep outside the Brooklyn Museum. I'm like, okay, this is, this doesn't make sense. But they're like, oh, no, but, you know. No, but everybody's screaming, spitting on each other. 100%. That's okay. Ah, it's fine. It's fine. You know, because, you know, it's. Because we're just making up rules as we go. Right. It's insanity. Like, and that's kind of, you know, my boy Mick has a great line. You had Mickey Gall on. He has a great line. I'm like, dude, all I want to know is what's the rules. Right. I just want to know what the rules are. Right. And Mick has a great line. He goes, we'll tell you the rules when, when you break them. We'll tell you what the rules are once you break we'll them. tell you, you know? the rules are when you break them. That's it. So Listen. now you were born in Brooklyn? Yeah. Where in Brooklyn? Gravesend. You're from Gravesend? That's right. West 2nd Avenue Pick. You know, you know where Bath Avenue is. Of course. Yeah. All right. We're gonna have a guest on. Uh, you know. Uh, so yeah. So I didn't know that you were from Gravesend. Yeah, That's man. Right. Yeah. West Avenue P. Yeah. Listen. And that, again, like you just think about like Brooklyn. Like, can you imagine growing up Bronx, Brooklyn? Like, and, and ever think for a million years they they'd shut the city down and people would go along well, with it. Well, do you imagine telling people back then? Look, you can't go out. Everybody be going get. Fuck are you out of here. your mind? What are you out of your are crazy you mind? Are you out of your mind? What? I can't go to work. I can't do this. Get everybody out of here. might have done it for two weeks. Look, the two weeks, fine. We're yeah. all everybody knows. You know, hey, what's going three, on? Here? Almost three years. Crazy. They're crazy. still doing it. Canada's still doing it. Crazy. They're still doing it. Yeah, China, Canada, they're still doing it, man. Dude, it's nuts. Wow. You know, and, and listen, the fun, the funniest part about it is like, you know, right. this thing is all about trying to be healthy, but right. they shut down all the restaurants when they kept Burger King and liquor stores open. So it's like, yeah. it don't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Now, now, Gerard, where are you going to be? So if people, first of all, tell us about your, your podcast, Thick, Slick, Slick and, Thick. and Thick on Gas Slick Digital Thick. Network. Check out Slick and Thick, uh, you know, with, with the great Mickey Gall yeah. on uh, Gas Digital Network. Yeah. Right. Um, we're on uh, twice a week. We got a bunch of episodes. I think people will like it. You know, it's, I gotta uh, come on your show, man. Please do. Yeah, man. I gotta come yeah, on your show. All I right. mean, shoot, it would class up the joint. That's for uh, sure. That's yeah, right, bring, right. bring your friends with you. Are you, you gonna know? be appearing anywhere? Doing stand up? Yeah, I'm gonna be all over the place. The best thing for people to do is follow my Instagram at Gerard G E R A R D D G A F. Or at uh, GerardMichaels.com and they can check out GerardMichaels.com. I saw him. This is a funny guy and a great guy. And go to his websites. Check him out when he's in your town. 
Uh, it's really been great, Gerard. Uh, really, it's dude, great. This is a you're you're a legend, man. I yeah, that's all right. Is... But thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's the show. Uh, don't forget March first. I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas. March first, Little Rock, Arkansas, at the University of Arkansas, Pulaski Center. I'll be there with Sandy Blue Eyes selling merchandise. Me and Sandy in Little Rock, Arkansas. It's my cousin Vinny. I'm telling you. Um, Little Rock's a good time, though. Little Rock, I heard it's a good it's time. It's a good time. Little Rock's and sneaky. Friday, March 3rd, I'm going to be in San Antonio, Texas at the Empire Theater. Come and check me out. The one-man show, the original one-man show that started it all. Don't forget my website, chazpalmetary.net. Uh, my restaurants, you went to my restaurant. Let me talk about the restaurant. How was my restaurant, All Gerard? right, listen. This is not a paid plug, and I'm telling you right now, the Chateaubriand, out of this world. Out of this world. Dude, Nicolo hooked it up. Right. We uh, we took a couple. We took an executive from uh, Showtime out, wanted right. to show him a good time. Right. And, uh, dude, I tell you what. Right. You guys, not not just the food was amazing. Yeah. Five-star service. Five-star. Through the roof. The, the, I told him, there's only one bad thing. Don't, don't park on that block. Well, the block, yeah, the, yeah, the car, the parking car was seventy dollars. It was seventy dollars, but I tell you, everything else was uh, first yeah. class. We, we got the Bronx tail, the Chateaubriand, dude, the mushroom ravioli. That's the best, yeah. The mu- yeah, it was great. Now, now, what made you want to open up a restaurant? I, know, I, I met Jack Senage and his brother Jeff, and they just—I liked the way they ran. They they had four successful restaurants. I feel, I wanted to go with somebody who really knew how to do it. Mm-hmm. I did it with them. They'd never had an Italian restaurant. I went partners with them. My restaurant, 30 West 46th Street in Manhattan, Beautiful. 264 Main Street in White Plains. Both of them killing it. And if you get a chance, come and visit. But yeah, uh, hey, sure. brother, see Let's you speak. soon. Thanks so All right, much, man. man. All right. See you guys next week.